Thank you all for listening to Behind the Scenes at the Hanover Theater. This is Lisa Condit, VP of Communications, here with our friend Eric Broadway in Worcester. You might know him from past shows he's brought to our Brick Box Theater, which is amazing. And Eric, welcome. Tell us what you have coming next, because I think everybody's going to be super excited. Thank you, Lisa. It's so great to be here with you. Um, really excited. Uh, we are, uh, Broadway in Worcester is co-producing a production uh, in the Brick Box Theater concert with Tony Award winner Kelly O'Hara live on January 6th and 7th. It's going to be an amazing concert with one of, at least in my opinion, Broadway's biggest stars and, and greatest actresses. Oh, absolutely. She's just gotten great reviews. Like She had really nice things said about her in The New Yorker. And listen, that's a super credible news source, if you ask me. And also, it's coming right up. Tell us a little bit about her for people who might not recognize her name. Sure. Kelly O'Hara had been starring on Broadway for at least the last decade. She really came uh, to the forefront of her career in Broadway's um, interest when she starred in The Light and Piazza at Lincoln Center. And since then, she's gone on to star in South Pacific and The King and I, winning a Tony Award for The King and I at Lincoln Center. She's been in Kiss Me Kate in the Bridges of Madison County. And nice work if you can get it with Matthew Broderick in the Pajama Game with Harry Connick Jr. So she has a long history of starring on Broadway with actually some of the best leading men too. So oh she's my gosh, I love every blast. one of them. And so, have you seen her on Broadway? Is that what gave you the idea? Tell us how, how tell us how lucky we are and how you were able to score. She is one of those performers who I will see every chance I get in New York. Uh, I don't think I've missed one of her performances on Broadway since The Light in the Piazza. Wow. Um, I was fortunate enough to produce a concert of hers uh, at St. John's High School when we opened up a new performing arts center at the school. And she was so gracious. She came to give a, a amazing concert on the opening night of this venue on her one night off from Lincoln Center's The King and I. So wow. on Monday, she came, came to Massachusetts for a private concert. And she was gone after a, a couple hours. So it was just a pleasure to have her come back and have a larger audience get to see her, but in the most intimate of settings, the, the brick box. Oh, that's one of the things we were talking about before we got on air. I think the brick box is such a fantastic place to see anybody, but especially somebody like Kelly with that wonderful voice. So talk to us about the setup there. And truly, for those who are listening, there is not a single bad seat in the house. I know you hear me say that about the Hanover Theater, but just to put it in perspective, the Hanover Theater main stage has 2,300 seats in its audience. The brick box is under 300. So just imagine being able to sit there with less than 300 other people in a very intimate space, every seat, She's going to sound fantastic. You're going to be able to see almost the pores on her face. Yeah, she just probably won't <laughs> want to hear that, but it's definitely true. I mean, Kelly just got off a major run at the Metropolitan Opera starring in the hours. And yes. that venue is, is huge, and she sold out her run in, in this premier opera in one of New York's largest venues. And she's Amazing. going straight from the mat to the brick box, like you said, under 300 seats. Only 270 seats will be set up for this performance. So it'll be incredible uh, to, to see. That's amazing. I'm still interested in how you were able to score her coming to the Brick Box. I know you say that, all right, so you were able to work with her in this concert when you opened the new Performing Arts Center at St. John's, and she was really gracious, but 
come on, there's got to be more to the story. Is she, you know, one of your besties at this point? <laughs> no, you know, on the side, I do a little commercial theater uh, investing and producing, and it really is just a small industry. Um, so you're always, you know, at least one degree of separation from from the biggest stars on Broadway. And, you know, we were really fortunate. We opened with Laura Benanti, who gave a really fun, thrilling show. Then we moved on to a Broadway legend like Cheetah Rivera. And I have to say, our reputation is really, really great in Worcester. The stars are coming, and they are loving every moment of it. Not only are they getting receptions like they've never received in their career, Cheetah Rivera received three standing ovations from Worcester audiences Aww. in one performance. Uh, and she was incredibly touched. But they're also working with the students, too. So we do free master classes and free question and answer sessions for students at the Brick Box before the concert. And they walk away from that experience getting to work with Worcester students, some of them Hanover Conservatory students, and they're incredibly touched and moved and grateful for the experience that the stars have been having here in Worcester. So when the ask goes out there again, um, they're eager to, to see, say yes because they know they'll be treated really, really well in Worcester. Well, we are thrilled to partner with you to bring her to Worcester and to the Brick Box at the Jean McDonough Arts Center. Tickets, of course, are available two nights. Tell us a little bit about that. Two nights, January 6th at 8 p.m. and then a 2 p.m. matinee on January 7th. So Friday and Friday night and Saturday afternoon. Again, it's going to be the most intimate of settings. She'll sing songs from some of her hit Broadway shows. So uh, if you love any of the shows that she's been in, from Rodgers and Hammerstein to Gershwin to Jason Robert Brown, she'll probably sing all of those hits and even do some pop songs. So Ooh. audiences aren't used to hearing her do pop on, on Broadway, but it'll be fun to see what is in her pop repertoire. Even I haven't heard those songs yet. So. Oh, I can't wait for that. I'm curious, though, because you've already admitted you've seen her in every single thing that she's been on in Broadway. So what are you most looking forward to or hopeful that she performs? You know, I'd love to hear her do The Light in the Piazza. She, uh, the title song from that show, um, you know, she sang it very early on in her career. I've seen her sing it uh, many years later, and she hasn't lost a beat and is only, only gets richer as, as her career goes on. Um, she discovers new, new moments in the song just to make it as thrilling as it was to see it the first time. So I'm excited to sort of see the, or hopefully sing one of the first songs I've ever, ever heard her sing. Oh, that would be so great. And we're talking about a Tony Award-winning actor. Talk about that a little bit because you saw some of those performances as well. No, I mean, she is really one of the best actresses on Broadway. I mean, she has a, a glorious voice, and she can sing like no other. But what I love about Kelly is she knows how to act a song. I, I think the New York Times and other major publications uh, hailed her as like the interpreter of the American songbook. No one acts a song better than Kelly. So while it's going to sound gorgeous and it's going to sound beautiful, um, it's just fascinating, fascinating to watch her interpret the song. Um, it's so emotional uh, and so beautiful and uh, so engaging to, to watch her sing. Oh, I literally cannot wait. I think it's going to be fantastic. So how do people get tickets? They can go to the Hanover Theater website. They can go to the JMAC, uh, Worcester.org website, or they can go to Broadway and Worcester. So three easy ways to get tickets, Hanover, Broadway and Worcester, or, or the JMAC. And I just need to remind people, when you go to the Hanover Theater's website, it is the Hanover Theater, spelled with an R-E dot org. Make sure you are not on a reseller's site because... A lot of companies do pay extra money 
in Google Ads in order to come up number one on the search. So if you search for something, make sure when you go to order your tickets, you are ordering directly from the primary website. It's tricky, and I want you to get the best deal on tickets. Anything else you want to add, Eric? No, we're just so excited to be partnering with the Hanover in this. So excited to have Kelly in town. Uh, I think audiences are going to be blown away by her. And I, I keep on saying this. She is going to blow the roof off the brick box. It's one of those venues, venues that's so intimate, so small, and she has such a huge voice. So it's going to be an experience of hearing Kelly like, like no other. Absolutely. So ring in the new year with us in January, early January, January 5th and 6th. Tickets are still available. And Eric, we're going to play a song. So what song would you like us to play as we go out? From, from Kelly's repertoire? Yes. Let's see. Let's do uh, So In Love from, from Kiss Me Kate. Oh, I can't wait. So here it goes, everybody. Stay tuned. After this quick break, we'll be back with more behind the scenes at the Hanover Theater. Strange dear, but true dear, when I'm close to you.
Thank you for joining us on Behind the Scenes with the Hanover Theater. My name is Sarah Garofalo, and today I have a very, very special guest. I am pleased to be joined by Neil Berg of Neil Berg's The 60s Peace, Love, and Rock and Roll coming to the Hanover Theater and Conservatory for the Performing Arts on Sunday, April 23rd, 2023. Welcome to the show, Neil. Thank you. Great to be here. We're really excited to have you. You're an absolute legend around here at the Hanover Theater. So I'm very excited to be talking to you today. Um, of course, you've performed here in Worcester many times, but for our listeners that may not know you yet, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. So uh, I've been blessed in many ways in my life on Broadway and in the rock and roll and the music world. I'm the composer on Broadway of uh, musicals such as Grumpy Old Men, the musical, my new musical, The Twelve, is coming to Broadway, being directed by Pulitzer Pro- uh, Tony Award winning director John Doyle. And... Um, you know, so I've had a long career going and doing concerts in all the Broadway theaters around the country for the past 20 years, including 100 Years of Broadway, which is a history of the, the whole music of Broadway. And then I've been doing for the last five years the history of rock and roll because I had a chance to be uh, to play with uh, Joe Durso and Stone Caravan around the country uh, and be in many different rock and roll bands playing alongside legendary acts like you know everybody from the doobie brothers and uh you know uh, uh the doors reunion Aerosmith, you name it uh on the, i was on the 100 year anniversary tour of harley davidson where we played all the stadiums so yeah i've been very blessed in my career to have done everything basically i've wanted to do and now i get a chance with this new show to uh really fine tune instead of doing a comprehensive history of rock and roll I get a chance now to pick a decade to look at specifically. And that's why we're picking the 60s, because so much was going on musically and, of course, culturally in our country. And we get a chance to really go at it. Absolutely. And I was going to say your your shows are ever changing. You're always bringing something new to the stage. Um, So do you want to go a little bit more into detail about what fans can expect when they come see your new show? Absolutely. So first off, I have an incredible band. Uh, You know, my guitarist, Mike Wilson, is one of the best guitar players in the New York tri-state area. You know, he's a true rock and roll guitar player, but he's also played, you know, he was the lead guitarist in the recent Tina Turner musical, uh, Tina on Broadway. He's doing Almost Famous now. 
the legendary Cameron Crowe movie that's been turned into a Broadway musical and Smokey Joe's Cafe. So you're going to get an authentic, you know, band of rock and roll artists who've been playing this music forever. Uh, Roger Cohen on drums, who's incredible. He's been with us for years. And, you know, uh, uh, so we have an incredible band, but we also have five incredible singers and they're not just singers they're you know superstar broadway rock and roll performers they've all starred in some of the most famous rock musicals of all time including joey calvary who starred in we will rock you that's the queen musical and rock of ages uh and you know uh, brooke wood who's now known around the, the the country as being one of the top uh rock and roll singers with all the symphonies with uh, Philadelphia Pops and doing the music of, you know, you name it, everybody, Janis Joplin. Uh, and so, uh, you know, other performers include the stars of Motown, the musical. And, you know, so it, people can expect the best performers in the, in the country, in the world, on the stage. But we get a unique chance with this show to explore not just the incredible music of the 60s, because if you think about what was going on in the 60s, it came out of that age uh, from the 50s of, of innocence. And then the 60s was chaos and turmoil and revolution and everything else going on, uh, assassination. And music always uh, commented on what was going on. So, so much music was written to comment on the situations then we get a chance to kind of link the two together of the great music and take a look at what it was commenting on. So uh, people get the best of both worlds. I'm a storyteller and I love to tell stories. So they're gonna authentically get the best music with the best story. And of course, how can we leave out what was going on towards in the late sixties? The, the show culminates, of course, you know, like maybe they did it for us by, by setting it up to put the most famous concert ever in rock and roll history at the end of the 60s. So we get a chance to explore Woodstock and what was going on there and why it was so important and relevant and remains to this day. And uh, a little side note, I was friends with Michael Lang, who was you know, people remember the guy on the young guy on the motorcycle at Woodstock. Well, he had called me in years ago to develop a musical about Woodstock. And for reasons of his own, it never happened. But um, I think I have a really good take on how to tell a story and present the music. He was a, a big supporter of mine. So can't wait to go. And the time, you know, when we do this show at Hanover, this will be one of the first times we're ever doing the show. So people in, in that area, New England, will get a chance to really be at the forefront of what we're doing and then we're going to be taking it out on tour on the national tour wow i think that's really exciting and i think it'll be really interesting to see what you guys do with um you know all the music that came out of that time period as you mentioned um and so you brought up michael lang and so he passed away uh, at the beginning of this year um but were there any other musical inspirations from that time period that are inspiring this new show? Oh, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that. Going into the early 60s, you know, from, you know, after the play, you know, the 50s ended tragically, right? With the, you know, the day the music died with uh, Buddy Holly, Richie Valance, and the Big Bopper all dying in the famous plane crash. And, uh, you know, that was an end of an era. 
in this early 60s, there was still a turnover, right? So you had Elvis in the 50s. You had what was going on with Buddy Holly. And a lot of what they called the uh, the race music was now becoming a little more culturally palpable for the mainstream um, going into the 60s after it was kind of just uh, redone by white artists like Elvis. But you, you still had, at the beginning of the 60s, they called, she called herself the queen of rock and roll. And it was Connie Francis. And I don't think people associate Connie Francis with rock and roll, but at that time in 1960, that's what it was. It was still, you know, evolving. So you have to take a look at what was going on with some of those types of artists. And then the country rock and the rockabilly that was going on, of course, with uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, from the 50s. But then going into the 60s, in 1960, you had, you know, Etta James finally coming on from, um, you know, with the, you know, that label of music. And Etta James, everybody knows her for At Last, of course, one of the seminal songs uh, of probably the last century. But she was a blues singer. And people need to know that they asked her to tone it down. She was a growling, honking blues singer. But that label, they needed her to uh, cross over to a white audience. And so when she sang at last, that was a very big part of what that was about. And, um, you know, and very important. Uh, in 1960, The Twist, one of the most famous dances of all time, Chubby Checker, we have to explore that going on. And of course, the relevance of uh, Dick Clark's American Bandstand and the, the effect that that television show had on rock and roll uh, in the 60s, uh, which led to, you know, Soul Train and, Eventually, Don Kirshner's rock concert and TV. Um, the also you had uh, the doo-wop era, and that started in the fifties. But then one of the biggest artists from the sixties, Dion of Dion and the Belmonts, Belmonts uh, went solo, and most people don't realize it was when he wrote "The Wanderer," which was a very famous song. That was as a solo artist and uh, helped take doo-wop from the fifties into the early sixties. And then right on the heels in 62 came two other bands. And that was the, that helped take Duop into a new future. And that was one from the West Coast, which was the Beach Boys. And one from the East Coast, you know, the four guys from New Jersey, which was Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. So we get to link that and explore how that happened. Um, and then you have the great girl groups in the early 60s, uh, you know, uh, we all, I think most people know, if they're fans of rock and roll, they know that Carol King started in 59 at the Brill Building. If they don't, she went on to write hit after hit for other artists in the 60s until later in the 60s. She decided she got divorced, decided to claim her own voice. And that's when she put out the incredible album Tapestry that launched her into a recording artist in her own right. Um, so, uh, but the other girl groups, of course, the, you know, the Shirelles, uh, Martha and the Vandellas and Motown that was coming into fashion. We have to explore all of that. Then you're looking at the, you know, the whole idea of folk revival with the, you know, Robert Zimmerman. Most people know him as Bob Dylan coming in uh, to the scene and the influence Bob Dylan had on everybody. Um, and that's, you know, that's in the early 60s. Uh, before you even get to the Beatles getting on the Ed Sullivan show. And, the, you know, there was a whole scene going on in London, too. And people forget, I always 
talk about this in my shows. People think punk music started in the 70s, you know, because at CBGB's in New York or uh, the Sex Pistols in London. But if you think about it, the real precursor to punk music was right about the time the Beatles came out. And it wasn't the Beatles. It was a band called The Kinks and a song called You Really Got Me. And uh, there was a lot of going and uh, the early Who music, the mods versus the rockers. There was a lot of dissent and uh, upheaval going on at that point and was commented musically. Of course, you have the Rolling Stones coming on the heels. But when they started out, they were strictly a cover blues band when Brian Jones started that. And it wasn't until, you know, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards took over the band that uh, and started writing music that uh, they became, you know, uh, in competition with the Beatles as one of the great rock bands of the, well, that era. And now, as history has proven, forever. Um, but I love taking a look at uh, some of the nooks and cracks. Uh, you know, it was... Uh, uh, you know, uh, Wooly Bully and a lot of the kind of novelty songs going on, too, uh, during that era. That was a lot of fun. Um, there was, you know, some of the female artists finally breaking through Petula Clark and Dusty Springfield. And, of course, Janice in a big way, which we'll get to. Um, we talk a little bit about the Paola scandal uh, from, you know, Alan Freed, who was one of the top DJs in the forefront of you know, on his radio program in Cleveland, taking black music and showing it to his white audience. And that was a major effect on rock and roll. And of course, then he got caught, you know, in the payola scandal where, you know, a lot of DJs were taking money from record companies to uh, play songs. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was very common back then. Um, I also talk about uh, one of my favorite artists of all time, the great Nina Simone. Um, good friends with Nina's brother. And, uh, you know, so it's really a pleasure. People forget about Nina Simone. And she was uh, not just one of the great female artists of all time, one of the great artists of all time. She represents, uh, she was from Carolina, and she was a budding young black female classical pianist. But she was not allowed to go to one of the prestigious classical piano schools because she was black. So she ended up playing cocktail music in uh, Atlantic City to make ends meet. And they told her she'd make more money if she sang. She had never sung before. So she started singing <laughs> and making more money and she found her voice. And then that voice became one of the biggest voices in the civil rights movement, musically speaking. So, and these are just kind of, you know, quickly going through things that we'll be, you know, looking at. When we finally talk about uh, the great festivals of rock and roll, people know Woodstock, but anyone who was around in the 60s knows that the first really renowned big festival, um, you know, was, uh, you know, the Monterey Pop Festival in 1967, two years before Woodstock. And it had all the great artists from The Who and, you know, uh, The Grateful Dead. Everyone was there. Mamas and the Papas, uh, Jimmy, Janice. But there was an unknown artist who stole the show. And his name was Otis Redding. And he 
made a big name for himself and was becoming a superstar. And right after that concert, recorded his, you know, his biggest song ever, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, but never lived to see it because he died suddenly in the plane crash. Um, we get to look at psychedelic rock and, the, you know, the San Francisco scene and what caused that. Of course, the Vietnam War was a big part of the 60s and music that commented about it. We get to explore all of that <clears throat> and how movies were starting to generate uh, music in the culture. Of course, you know, uh, Born to be Wild, uh, you know, Steppenwolf um, being used in Easy Rider. Yeah, and uh, of course, you can't not talk about what Elvis was doing in the 60s. Uh, he was forced to become a movie star. And he really wanted to play music, but uh, Colonel Tom Parker, you know, his manager basically controlled his life. But thankfully, Elvis finally came back with that famous, you know, television special in the late 60s to show that Elvis was that and more and deserved his place as the king of rock and roll. Um, and then we get a chance to explore a little Broadway in rock and roll, right? Sometimes people forget, you know, hair came on it was uh so out of the norm for broadway it brought rock and roll and nudity to broadway and uh that opened the door for jesus christ superstar and a lot of other shows that uh you know was able to now use rock and roll music to tell story i mean that's all broadway really is is how do you tell story and they hadn't used rock and roll to tell story up to that point and then when we get to woodstock i get a good chance to to talk about that as well. And one of my favorite stories of Woodstock, we all know, uh, I, I think a lot of people who love music know about Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. It was one of their first concerts ever and they were freaking out and uh, Santana got their start there and Joe Cocker made a name for himself. Even Sha Na Na. Now Sha Na Na was a 50s tribute band. They were they were out of, they were students at Columbia University <laughs> that just happened to be represented. One of their agents uh, was involved with Woodstock and got them on that show. So there's all this information, but I'll 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 end with this little tidbit. I love talking about Bert Somer, and I'm going to leave that one and not tell anybody what it is. But if you come see the show, we'll talk about Bert Somer and why I think he's one of the best stories at Woodstock, and no one knows who he is. So that's kind of like, that's, uh, I got a lot in there, but that's, that's what they can expect. Yes, that was awesome. Okay. I love it. And I'm super excited. I think you're absolutely right that so much iconic music has come out of that time period. And I think that people will absolutely recognize some songs, <laughs> a few, oh. right? Uh, they'll, they'll recognize every song, <laughs> I would think. If, they, if yep. they've listened to music at all in their life. And I also want to say, this is an incredible opportunity for grandparents and parents to bring their kids, grandkids, and get a real lesson. You know, the, the reason this music has survived, but it's, it's a lesson in every sense, culturally, musically, historically, it's perfect. And uh, people are going to love it. And it's going to rock. I absolutely agree. Well, once again, Neil Berg's The 60s Peace, Love, and Rock and Roll will be performing at the Hanover Theater and Conservatory for the, for the Performing Arts on Sunday, April 23rd. And tickets are now on sale at thehanovertheater.org. They start at just $45. <laughs> 
once again, thank you, Neil, for your time today. Thank and you, Sarah. Can't wait to be back rocking Hanover. We can't wait to have you back. And everyone else, we'll see you next week on Behind the Scenes.